Hello everyone and welcome to our show. Today we discuss about keywords. Even more, we are going to unhide a lot of information about finding the right keywords to uh, destroy some myths. That's why I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Janet Bartoli. How are you? Good, good. Thanks so much, Anatoly. It's good to be here. Yeah, for me, it's a big pleasure. I love finding the right strategy. I love chasing the right keywords. I can explain why. Because uh, when I started my SEO journey, I failed a lot by chasing high-volume keywords. Uh, that was many years ago. But right now, I understand that not all keywords can sell. Not all keywords can provide results. And some keywords are overwhelmed and overpriced. So it's a very important topic. And before we start, I want to thank you, our sponsor, Sirenkin, uh, a top related all-in-one SEO platform. I like Sirenkin for their very accurate rent tracker tool, which shows your daily rankings for your website in five search engines for any location, device, or language. You can monitor Google Map results and 35 search features for every keyword and much more. Just Google Sirenkin Rent Tracker and explore 14 days of the software for free. So, yeah, uh, I love using tools, but it's not only about tools. Janet, before we start, just tell more about your self-experience background and why you decided to share with us about keyword research. Sure. I'm Janet Bartoli. I've been deeply specialized in SEO for the last 18 years. Um, I actually learned SEO back in 2004 with John Alexander. Uh, and and read everything there was, which there wasn't much at the time. Um, I worked on the agency side in-house. Um, I, I also worked uh, on Accenture's uh, client side, um, working with the uh, and developing an SEO go-to-market strategy for their clients. Now I'm in the Bartoli Consulting Group for the last five years. Um, and there's so many myths around SEO, as we all know, and doesn't matter what year or decade we're in when it, when it comes to SEO, keywords always seems to come up um, time and time again. And people think about keywords as though it were 2004, which, um, you know, a lot has changed in, in all of this time. And so um, I like educating my clients on, you know, how not to think about keywords and other SEOs just kind of helping them as they're coming into the industry, um, that it, it's not the way we should think about keywords as though it were 15 years ago, because a lot's changed. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay, uh, I remember uh, a few quotes uh, from Bing, and they proclaimed that uh, keyword research will be obsolete. Uh, I, I'm not sure it's obsolete, but uh, we have still a room you know, for keyword research. But I still see when the masters chase high-volume keywords. Uh, many of these keywords are overwhelmed. When you compete with Amazon, Wikipedia, Pinterest, many other great websites, uh, and uh, they don't sell. Even if you get traffic, it doesn't mean that you will sell. So I think it's not good strategy. Can you tell where to start? For example, if I have a new project, I want to choose the right strategy. I have no authority, trust, anything, but I want to get SEO traffic. Can you tell where to start? So... Great question. So what I would do first, if, if you're, first of all, if you are an SEO and you're working with clients, avoid using keywords because you're basically taking them down the path of 15 years ago. And because the search engine algorithm in Google and, and the other search engines have changed, but especially in Google since 2013, onset of Hummingbird, search intent is really what we should be focused on. 
So getting away from what keywords do you want to rank for as a question for your client is really not a good strategy because mm -hmm. we're focusing on the wrong thing. Um, so instead, what, what I like to do is understand their goals and objectives. So once you understand their goals and objectives, if their goal is to increase visibility to one of their product pages, then it's really understanding the different types of products that are, if it's an e-commerce site, for example, what kind of products are these? And then you can start understanding from their customer's perspective, how they're describing those, those, those different types of products. So, and, and then what we need to do always first, conduct a content audit. Then once you've got a content audit established, you can then create the, the strategy around that. And then that all happens before you even think about a keyword. The other thing I like to do is with my team, we're, we're in, in the weeds talking about keywords, but I don't really share that in, in terms of what are the specific keywords we're focused on with the client. So think of keywords as groups or themes based on the search intent. For example, if you're working with um, a contractor who does um, window and door replacement, um, and that's what they really want to sell more of, then what you're really thinking of is the different types of front, if, if we're talking about, let's say, French doors, it are they is the intent to purchase them or to find a contractor to work with who will install them. So there's lots of different intent in just that. So ranking for French doors is kind of irrelevant if this is a contractor who installs them, for example. So it really comes to really understanding and, and grouping them into themes and categories in that way. So mm -hmm. having that, that content audit and strategy at the beginning will, will help with that. Can you tell which tools do you use uh, to provide this content audit and uh, uh, how to find the balance between tools and manual job? Um, so there's, I mean, the, the amount of tools out there. And, and again, since I've been in this game, it's, it's ridiculous. Like we got Ahrefs, SEMrush, KeywordTool.io, Keyword Finder, Keyword Surfer, which is really relatively new, Majestic, pretty old tool. Um, and then, but you, but I always look to look at the tools that we have available that are really literally coming from the horse's mouth. All the Google tools provide us with really great keyword research. Google Trends is an awesome place to go, especially if you're working with a client who has seasonal um, types of, of products or services that happens over the course of the year. Um, Google's Keyword Planner is not my, necessarily my go-to, but because it's really more focused on paid search over SEO, but you can still discover new related keywords and terms. So that's always good. Um, and then of course, Google search console is really the best because you are mm -hmm. seeing what people are typing in and, and coming to the website, what types of keyword variations that they're using there is, is also a great place to be, but mm -hmm. I never, yeah. think, and then if you're on the enterprise, so there's also a difference. So the tools I just mentioned are great. If you're just a, a solo, you know, um, SEO doing freelance work um, because they're not that expensive. But if you're on the enterprise side, I've worked in-house for large enterprise clients. My 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 recommendation, if anybody knows me, is always Conductor Searchlight. That's an excellent platform if you're managing a, a very large enterprise site. Bright Edge is a direct competitor. Um, so there's lots of enterprise variations that you could use. Um, but again, 
nothing like using the Google tools. Um, those are the best. Yeah, yeah, uh, especially about Google Search Console. Uh, when you can check out real ranking, uh, it's mm -hmm. more accurate than any other tools can provide because it's from Google. <laughs> of course, Google right. can hide some data, but uh, that's okay. You, you know what I love from Google Search Console that I can find keywords uh, or pages that uh, are close to the top 10 mm -hmm. or, or even in the top 10, but they're close to the first uh, third position because we can get much uh, higher traffic when you, you rank these keywords. So uh, websites with traffic, it's better to pay attention to Google Search Console because you know exactly that Google understands your content. You know exactly mm -hmm. you can improve this content or provide additional link building campaigns to get more insights. So yeah, um, I, I completely agree with you about Google Search Console. It's often ignored. I don't know why. Uh, and uh, for me, it's surprise when people check out uh, ranking positions on HRF, SEMrush, or, or C-Ranking, any other tools, and ignore Google Search Console. Right. <laughs> Go to Google yeah. Search Console first, and then you can analyze other tools because paid tools can provide uh, history of your ranking mm -hmm. positions. If something wrong, you can change it. Uh, we can't find this history on Google Search Console, but uh, other tools are helpful with that. So yeah, I agree. Yeah. Can you tell about... Uh, Manual job, for example, if I uh, use any tools, uh, let's imagine uh, Serenity, I type any keyword, I can get uh, a list of keywords, like thousand keywords. How to choose priorities between them? How uh, do I know that these keywords will provide results? Because many keywords are overwhelmed and overpriced. It's hard to overcome competitors. Can you tell more about uh, choosing priorities? So, and again, if I'm working directly with a client, I'm going to first understand from a priority perspective, where are their priority products or services pages that we want to focus in on? Um, once I've done the content audit to understand top, middle, bottom of the funnel, because we need to understand mm -hmm. what, you know, what keywords are you ranking for? Hopefully their brand is ranking with really well. And generally speaking, that's the case. But then the, the next thing is we want to understand the money keywords, what keywords are going to drive conversions. That's critically important and it can't be overlooked. Um, I have one of my stories is, <clears throat> excuse me, when I worked in-house for LexisNexis, um, LexisNexis is a very large legal publisher and the CEO wanted to be found for rule of law. So I questioned it because it, again, they're looking for subscribers or um, people who will subscribe to their publication. Uh, so something like that kind of a keyword is not going to be a huge, great converting keyword. So you always, you know, as an SEO, you're going to satisfy the, the SEO keyword. So we got him ranking on number one within the first few weeks. And again, this was 2009, so it was a lot easier. But, mm -hmm. you know, from a conversion perspective, even ranking for that, it wasn't really going to bring in all this converting traffic. So I always want to look at and identify the priority pages and then really understand um, you know, when we're thinking about top of funnel is going to be sort of informational types of keywords, like the how to, or, um, you know, where something is, or just b basic general research. So, so we can't overlook those because those are really important when we're then giving them the next set, which is the middle of the funnel sort of reviews and comparison types of keywords. And then finally bottom of the funnel, which is like, they're ready to buy or they're ready to call the salesperson. And so those are going to be more specific to maybe the product or the brand or those kinds of things. Those are would generally be the better converting keywords. That's why 
you know, when I was talking about going through a cold content audit, segmenting the keywords into themes or groups to really help identify which of those better converting keywords. Um, and then I also don't really focus so much on search volume. And I have not been looking at search volume since about 2008, because it really doesn't matter what the search volume is. If it's a long tail keyword, it's not going to be great search volume, but it's going to be a better converting keyword. Um, you know, a very uh, heavy head turn might be great for brand awareness. But again, are you really going to be pulling in the right targeted qualified audience? Probably not. Yeah, love it, love it. And uh, I check out one study on Twitter. Uh, someone shared the study that uh, website got 12,000 uh, visitors a month uh, with uh, zero volume keywords. You know, they ignore completely volume because it's, it's an accurate data. We don't know exactly what exactly is volume because it depends on cost, uh, on uh, uh, CTR. Yeah, it mm -hmm. depends on many other factors. Uh, for example, uh, I remember when someone wrote a study uh, about the age of Elon Musk. Nobody cares about his biography, rewards. He, people want to know his age. It's interesting if you type on Google. You can get the answer to this question, you know, without clicking any website. So wh why we need to create content on that? Uh, you mentioned about sales funnel. Can you tell more about that? How to create sales funnel and pillar topics? Uh, because uh, uh, sales funnel, uh, you know, for example, let's imagine that the keyword weight loss. Yeah, uh, when uh, if websites sell weight loss supplements, uh, it's uh, possible that weight loss is related keyword, but it's uh, high volume, uh, overwhelmed, overpriced with many uh, recognizable yeah. websites, health.com, many others. Can you tell about uh, choosing the right keywords in your sales funnel that mm -hmm. actually will uh, bring to the sales? Yeah, this is, this is why it's critically important to have conversations with your client before you even get into any of that, because they know now, not just the, the, the client, if they have a sales team, I love interviewing the sales team because they're the ones dealing with all the, you know, sales calls. If it's B2B specifically that you're working with and you, there is a sales team having a, you know, a few conversations with one or two salespeople will really give you a lot of insight into the types of questions that the, their customers um, are asking. So, any of the frequently asked questions, anything that you might see over on people also ask, you know, again, it's just understanding when, where they are in the buying phase of things. If they're doing their research, there's going to be much different types of questions and keywords associated with that than in sort of further down where they're, they've done their research and they're comparing one brand to another. There's going to be a different set. And even the keywords um, associated will be they're, they're, they're a lot more informed because they've done their research. So they're not asking the basic questions um, early as they do early on. So, you know, having a conversation with the client to understand, um, you know, what, what is it, you know, problems or, or situations in which your client is coming to you for a solution? You know, what, what are they, what questions are they asking? And if that person is high enough up in the organization, they may be so far separated from the, the client. That's why it's good to ask the sales team. Product managers are also great people to talk to because 
they're developing the product based on the audience and what the audience is looking for or the customer base is looking for. So they also know the different types of, of conversations that are happening or the, the different questions. And so that's also a great place to, to go there as well. And also mm -hmm. don't forget to talk to, if there's a paid search team um, as an SEO, SEOs like to silo themselves away and just you know not talk to anybody else. But it's really important to talk with Talk with the the the, um, the paid search team, the the social media teams, and find mm -hmm. out what conversations are they having to really kind of pick up and get some ideas from from those teams. Um, and you'll learn a lot, you know, based on the if it's a paid search campaign, what what are the better converting keywords? Um, what are the ones that are just not really doing well, or those that are really high price CPC? Uh, maybe you can use those in leverage those into the organic program. So there's lots mm -hmm. of different places that you can sort of get some really great ideas that I, I never even mentioned a tool. So like all of these yeah. are the conversations that you're having. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the era of lazy CEOs uh, is that, you know, today, if you use only one tool or a few tools, it's, it's not enough. You know, right. you need to spend time uh, manually, check out uh, uh, many other resources, uh, Google, uh, Wikipedia, Reddit, Quora, uh, sales department, anyone, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's better to spend time, but when you create the right strategy, you can uh, get high results much faster and much better. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, metrics. Uh, we mentioned about volume, but I'm interested about uh, authority. Uh, we have this metric on many recognizable tools. I share some SEMrush, Serenkin, uh, they share this metric. And uh, the second metric cost per click. Can you tell how it's important to consider this metrics? Because I know some SEO professionals ignore uh, this metrics. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember when someone tell, uh, told me, even uh, recognizable experts told me that it's estimation. Google doesn't care about this matrix. Yeah, possible. We know mm -hmm. that Google uh, denies this matrix, but uh, we can analyze this matrix. Uh, how many li links can go to the page uh, or cost per click and show uh, how uh, marketers can pay for getting these keywords. Can you tell about importance of this matrix cost per click and uh, keyword difficulty? So keyword difficulty, um, again, has been around forever. And mm -hmm. I have never really, I mean, so keyword difficulty can be looked at as this is going to be extraordinarily difficult for you to rank for XYZ keyword. But mm -hmm. I would argue, you know what? It depends. If you're, it, it, it's always been, Google has always been about relevance. So if you ignore relevancy, in your site and within your brand and the conversations that you're having off-site about that topic, you could rank for it and you could do really well. I think keyword difficulty is maybe more generalized. Um, yes, SEMrush and, and to some other degree, Ahrefs uses different sort of variables to come up with what that keyword you know difficulty score is. But if you just take it apart and just say, well, look, you know, if if me or my client is focused on a particular topic um, and those keywords that have a high difficulty rating, but they're very relevant to the content in the site, then I'm probably going to ignore keyword difficulty. And I'm going to really focus more on the relevancy of the keyword and how well and, and you know, as I said, not only on site, but off site. What are the conversations that you're having off-site about that topic so that Google really gets an idea that 
you know, when I think of this brand, I think of this topic. It, they just go together. And so that's why I kind of maybe don't necessarily focus so much on that. With CPC, I like, again, I don't look at, um, you know, because obviously it's more competitive, but it's competitive in paid search, not necessarily organic. There's different search behaviors that occurs when someone is searching and, and clicks on a paid search link versus organic. So, and then you, I mean, you, you can get into generationally, um, you know, where maybe millennial or uh, Gen Z, you know, doesn't want to click on a paid link because they think I've actually asked lots of them and they're like, well, we, we just don't want to give credit to somebody or to some brand, you know, and it's like all these ridiculous reasons why, or, or they don't, they didn't notice it, which is also interesting. Um, so there's, there's a, so many different reasons why maybe they're not necessarily clicking on it, but from a, from a high CPC perspective, um, I love kind of focusing on those because especially if my client is bidding on those and they're paying a ton of money, I am easily better able to show SEO ROI because I'm basically saying we can get all of this traffic that's very convert, you know, real, um, it's great converting traffic at, at zero CPC because we're getting it from an organic perspective. So it helps in factoring in what the return on investment is when you, when you really kind of think through all of those keywords and the value that you're bringing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. So valuable. Okay, let, let's talk about uh, how to measure ROI, return on investment. Because uh, I often see when uh, webmasters chase keywords, they create content, go ahead, but they don't estimate what kind of results they can get. For example, in paid marketing, we do it. We analyze cost per click, we can see how marketers can pay, we can uh, count uh, how... Uh, I don't know our uh, possible profit, but uh, what, how we can do it with SEO? Can you tell about that? You know, so the, at the beginning of any engagement with a client, that's why it's really critically important to get, do a whole analytics audit and understand what analytics do you have set up? So assuming they have Google analytics set up, um, then looking at, and looking at the website to determine what are the conversion points across the site? Um, hopefully they have something more than just a contact form, but sometimes there's a client that that's what they have. So I think it's really important as an SEO, we should really be helping our educating our clients on this website is not a brochure. It's supposed to be a lead generating machine. Okay. So if we have a proper lead generating, uh, the different elements set up in the site, for example, if you even have a blog post, there should be some call to action on every page, but especially even in a blog post, if it's to, you know, contact a sales rep or download a white paper, giving some call to action, then really understanding from the client, okay, you've got all of these calls to action leading to something. Um, so some kind of sale. So then it's really important to understand from the client's perspective, what is the, what is the average uh, conversion value? So what you do is you, you, if you determine one client might be worth $30,000 and the lifetime value of that client might be much more than that. So, you know, you might ask them $30,000. This is why it's really important to, as an SEO, you need to charge a lot more basically, because if we're getting free traffic and they're able and their sales team can convert 
you know, if we increase the traffic by, you know, let's say 50% on an annual basis and, and their sales team can convert that traffic, 50% of that traffic, and their average sale is $30,000, then to sell SEO for less than, you know, a few thousand dollars a month is ridiculous. Then it just almost mm -hmm. looks laughable, right? It's like, you know, you, you, you're commoditizing or cheapening SEO, which it should not be, um, because there's a lot of human intelligence. It's not a cool, you know, to, to have a, a keyword tool, you know, with a rank report. That's not SEO. Mm -hmm. So yeah. th then there's a lot of businesses. That's what they think that, you know, this is what SEO is, is just a rank report. But it's really incumbent upon us as SEOs to educate and inform them that, this is a profitable lead generating digital marketing channel. That's why we should be, you know, emphasizing return on investment. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Uh, okay. Let's switch our uh, conversation to uh, the number one ran ranking factor content. Yeah. Because I often see when webmasters, uh, uh, when they find keywords, they usually create content with topics that have a lot of other high quality content. You know, it's hard to compete uh, with other websites. We are subjective about the quality of our content. Nobody knows it's quality or not. Uh, but uh, when you create uh, the same piece of content that many other websites have, it's hard to overcome that. Can you tell how to uh, create content that is much better than competitors have. For example, after creating, uh, finding a list of keywords, uh, choosing priorities, we need to create content. And uh, if it's subjective, how do we know that our content is much better and uh, which content is better to ignore? Right. Well, so this is the this is the million or billion dollar question, really. <laughs> it's, you know, for again, it's the it's this constant Google wants quality content and which is vague and it doesn't tell us anything. So yeah. I think the best way to think about it is if you just look at the if look at start with the direct competitors and seeing what it what kind of content do they have. Now their content may not be great at all. So in and there might be a situation where you really can't look at what they have because what they have is just really of no value and really does not help. Um, so what I would do is create a, a variety of different types of content, short form, long form, um, include a video, um, include maybe an infographic, um, to testing what content is going to resonate, the different topics um, and the pain points that the, you know, your prospective clients might have. Um, a lot of maybe how to, and depending on what industry you're in, um, will really dictate the type of content that you're going to create. You know, um, so it it really boils down to what what is the best piece of consumable content? What is it that my audience wants to take in and and actually find value in it? So you run a, you can run a whole content test for like a whole like ninety days and just see which content is ranking, getting like shares, you know, um, if there's, if you're sharing it out on social media, is there engagement there? Um, and just really kind of then repurposing that inside your website, um, but always measuring and looking to see, you know, how many, how many links did I acquire? How many people have actually shared this, commented on it um, and have, and it's gone viral. So. That also kind of, you know, and not every piece of content is going to go viral, but you mm -hmm. might have a piece of content that is a really great, it's a huge guide and it's everything that person might need. And 
Yeah, I mean, you can look at Backlinko. There's tons of really great content. Well, why is it great? It's not great because it's long form, but it's great because it's very detailed. It's very step-by-step. -step. So that's what makes mm -hmm. that kind of content really great. But what might make content on some, you know, a medical or healthcare website, um, it might have to take a different approach. So it's really all about testing to see which really is going to work for my audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what I like in Brian Dean uh, content that it's simple to consume. It's not mm -hmm. hard to understand, you know, right. when you read, exactly. you, you, you can feel that this content was written for you, you know, not for, uh, for a crowd, you know, personalized, simple. So yeah, Brian, you yeah. put it that. <laughs> okay. You mentioned about links. Uh, can you tell about uh, earning links naturally? Because uh, you uh, shared that uh, when your content deserves links, uh, you can, uh, yeah, it helps to rank, of course. Uh, can you tell how to create links? Link-worthy content, something like this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, share with, it's funny because when every time I would have a client, um, especially the enterprise level clients, so the really mm -hmm. large, well-known brands, they don't need it, it. Generally speaking, we don't need to heavy, heavy up our link building program so much because everybody knows who they are. They know their products and services. So what I, what we would typically do is, is create content that was link worthy or share worthy. So again, it's, it's really valuable. It's, it's very easy to consume, simple, just like you were saying. It's simple. It's easy to digest. Um, and if, it's a, if there's a video, maybe it's a short three to five minute video that just condenses and simplifies the information um, so that it's so easy for people to just to take it and, and just consume it right away. So those are typically mm -hmm. the ones that will likely get better links because mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the publisher or, or the consumer who's finding it really interesting and valuable. And so they're more likely then going to link to that or share mm -hmm. it with their audience. And so mm -hmm. that, that is a, another sort of anytime you see any of that happening is more you know, votes to let you know that, hey, this is really good content because it is getting people are sharing it and they're linking to it. Um, and it's maybe not just people um, in the industry, but you might see people on the fringes of the industry and maybe overlapping other industries sharing it as well to really kind of let you know, like, this is really helpful content. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, yeah. you know, but but not focusing so much on I've got to create this piece of content to get a link. That shouldn't be the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal should be, is this going to resonate with my targeted audience? That should be a bigger uh, reason to create good, good content. Yeah, love it. Uh, okay, let's talk about Amazon. For example, uh, when I open Amazon, any product, I can read reviews, uh, get pictures, uh, uh, description, anything about this product, including video, many other stuff. But in other many other websites, they use uh, different pages, you know, to uh, satisfy different uh, users in turn. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, I need to read a blog post, how to use it. Uh, I need to open some uh, pages with pictures uh, or video content on YouTube, but Amazon can unite all of them in one page. And I don't need to uh, search for other types of content. What do you think? Is it a good idea for other websites to uh, unite all possible? Uh, it's like sales funnel in one page, or uh, it's better to differentiate pages? Um, well, you know, again, if you're talking about e-commerce, which y you would be if you're talking about Amazon, mm -hmm. um, 
But you know, there's other platforms. Al Amazon, their algorithm is A9. Is it A9 or A11, I think now? It's a separate, completely different algorithm than what you get in Google Shopping, You know what you mm -hmm. have in, in Google's products. So completely different there. So, you know, what, what, in terms of where to focus all of your efforts, you know, from, from, and, and, you know, do you create a landing page so that it's very specific and houses all the products just like Amazon does? Again, I, I think it depends, but I think it's where is your audience mostly likely going to be shopping and where will they most hang out? Um, and where can they really benefit uh, from the content on that page? And thinking about your own e-commerce platform, is it described, is the product description there? Um, does, do you have user reviews that really kind of helps inform someone uh, because it's a consumer who may be like trying to understand this product versus another brand's product of the same type of quality. So it's really, it always comes back to is your client or your consumer. It's that person mm -hmm. who ultimately is going to tell, should be the one dictating what kind of content it should be, what the focus should be, because it gets to, are they going to actually more likely to buy because of that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. I have the question about uh, things that webmasters shouldn't do because it's obsolete. It doesn't work. And we often see them. You know, uh, if you search on Google, you can find a lot of myths, uh, things that uh, are obsolete. Can you tell from your experience what webmasters shouldn't do today? Well, I think again, and this, I literally heard this from a developer a couple of years, just only a couple of years ago, the, the keywords meta tag. I think we need to finally put that thing to rest because it's been like more than a decade that Google hasn't even looked at it. However, if you are using Yandex or Naver, um, there, these are other international search engines that do still look at it. So mm -hmm. I would say if you are international focused, um, you might want to consider that. Um, but in terms of, um, I would say the biggest webmaster problems typically are trying to hide content. Again, these are really old tactics, yeah. you know, but there are still some because the developers looking for how, what's the quickest way to show this piece of content to the visitors. Um, and there was a brand that I was working with a few years ago, their developers thought, you know what, our page speed is really slow. So what we're going to do is we're going to show the search engine one thing, and we're going to show the user something else that's going to appear much faster. And so I explained mm -hmm. to them what doorway pages are and the fact that you can't show different stuff to a search engine than to a consumer, that it has to be the same. Um, so, you know, there... It, it's it's in my situation, it's been more of the developers, um, the, the the people on the de development teams that need more of the SEO education. Um, and they're trying to do things that we used to do 15 years ago. Um, whereas the SEOs, I think, um, if we're talking about from an SEO standpoint, what's what needs to go away, it's as I, we started earlier, just talking about the keyword, just stop focusing in on the sole keyword and don't have keyword conversations with your clients, because it's at the end of the day, it's about search intent. It's not about the keyword, you know, um, it's not about 
this piece of content, it's got to be at least a thousand words or longer. You know, you can have short form content. If you can, you know, you can successfully answer a question in 500 words and you don't need to, and there's just nothing more to it, then why bother adding more content there? That's not going to get you ranking higher. Um, the purpose is get in, get the answer and, and get out or move through the website. And that's Google's objective. And that's why your site will, or your pages will rank. It's because it's great co content. Maybe it's in a featured snippet because you were able to answer that question successfully in three or four steps. And you didn't need to have 1500 words on a page. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, there's always a lot of different things. There's always a lot of different myths. You know, is is SEO dead is another one with which it's like we're tired of hearing that. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So valuable. Uh, Janet, I have the question about your unique selling proposition. For example, uh, can you tell uh, why uh, you mentioned many times about your customers, how you can explain, educate them, lead in the right direction. But can you compare yourself with other agencies, freelancers? Uh, what is your unique selling proposition and strong side compared to others? Well, so I, first, I have 18 years of experience. I have done mm -hmm. I have done SEO in any in every way an SEO can be done. Whether it was in house, working with smaller, very small clients, very large international, well known brands, um, all different different types of platforms. Um, enterprise platforms like uh, ATG or, or Sitecore, all the way down to Squarespace and, and Wix sites, um, everything in between. So I've got a vast amount of, of different types of experiences that I can help my clients with. Um, and then the other, um, I would say key is I love educating my clients. I have done, whether it is development teams will do like e either in-person or online training. Um, I will teach the developers um, exactly what it is they should know from a technical SEO perspective. And it helps them and it encourages them to really consider SEO. So I, I love doing that. And then I also work with content teams where I'll do education for the content team so that they can understand what content is going to be, how to optimize site side and how to think about content um, and get away from the focus of, the, of a single keyword. So I would say that's you know, probably in a nutshell, my unique selling process. <laughs> yeah, I think it's brief one. <laughs> okay, let's imagine uh, you have no uh, 18 years of experience. What will you do to learn SEO today? Excellent question, because it is much different from when I started. Um, so it's, it's very dizzying because there's so much mm -hmm. out there. You don't know who to pay attention to, um, but there are there are many industry experts that we should be paying attention to. Um, you know, starting with Google, Google has a whole uh, array of developer resources um, and support stuff where they have they have the guides. The Human Raider guidelines is great. Now you shouldn't read that cover to cover, but just like if you dip in there every now and again, you'll definitely learn something. Um, learning from others, whether it is Search Engine Land or whether any of the SMX conferences. Um, especially one of my favorites has always been the advanced SMX conference. Um, just asking other SEOs lots of questions. And then there's never anything better than just doing it. It's whether it is, as I had done back in 2007, I built my website from scratch. I got, you know, put my name as the domain and I just started trying and testing things and putting in redirects and trying different types of content 
And that's, that's honestly the best way to really get great at SEO pretty fast. Nice, nice, nice. <laughs> Love it. Uh, and the final question, uh, can you uh, predict the future of SEO? Because many things are coming like metaverse, many others, they can change the game. What do you think SEO will be dead in one day or uh, it's a sh shiny future? You know, it's this is one of the, the Web 3.0. This thing is extremely difficult to kind of pinpoint. And I've actually asked some very experienced SEOs the same question. And many of them don't necessarily have a great answer because we're still in the very early stages of, of you know, of Web 3.0. It's so it's so early on that you just can't, you know, everything with regards to AI, blockchain, all of this. So I don't think that is going to necessarily feed into ultimately SEO. Um, all I can understand, if we just look just in the next 12 months, we know within the next 12 months, there will be some changes. They, will, they won't be drastically different, but we know video, even in the, if we just take a look back five years ago, there weren't much people, many brands using video. Now it's like 80% of content is really video or more in many cases. Mm -hmm. Um, so we know mobile is, is now really has, has really grown and has, uh, for a lot of brands, mobile is now still the most powerful use. Um, but I think, you know, with voice search, which is still, you know, we're still using voice search for a lot of things as well. It's still evolving and changing. I don't, I don't think it's going to be changing as fast, as quickly as, um, maybe people expect it to. Um, you know, just looking 18 years back, it's, you know, google.com, it's still there, you know, and we're still <laughs> typing in the search, your search queries have gotten a lot more sophisticated, uh, a lot more sophisticated because Google's gotten more sophisticated. So Google will continue to become sophisticated and be thinking about the searcher first. And so, and, mm -hmm. and us as SEOs last, you know. So it's up to us to constantly get educated and just to keep a finger on the pulse of what's going on and how your customers are searching and what they're using, um, whether it's Google or any other search engine or other platforms. Yeah, awesome reply. And I remember uh, one study that shared uh, uh, TikTok users uh, in 40% of time use TikTok to search uh, for some queries, not Google, you know, so exactly. yeah, video content is growing and we'll see, but uh, I agree with you, it, it yeah. will not be dropped in one day without any traffic, you know, because it takes time to change habits, to find something new, and if you have experience with SEO on Google, you can adapt to any other Absolutely. marketing channels, That's so true. yeah. It's more well, they did, experience. you know, back in 2009, they thought Facebook was going to be the new search engine. And mm -hmm. so, you know, <laughs> so there's that, you know, I mean, that's, that was a prediction then. <laughs> yeah. Jenna, tell our audience how they can reach out to you, learn more about you, follow you. Sure. Um, you can reach me at uh, BartoliConsulting.com. That's, that's uh, my consulting website or LinkedIn. I'm Janet Bartoli. I'm over there on LinkedIn and happy to connect with you there. Okay, guys, you can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime to share more valuable insights. Guys, you need to follow Janet because you can see a lot of value. So you can uh, learn it and go in the right direction. Okay, guys, love you. See you.